You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. Mother Nature, Dimu, Sidabi, Lemarel, Gaia, Sibala, Demeter, Persephone, Rhea, Terra, Ceres, Ops, Matzemla, Pashamama, Prithvi, Spider Grandmother, Ume, Papatuenuku, Zemis Mate, Measa, Mother Earth, Mother Goddess, Tierra, Home. These are all various names for the creation that are used by nations, tribes, cultures, and individuals around the world for the place we live. Earth. Each tribe has its own unique understanding of the creation story, whether it be climbing out of a hole in the ground like the Hopi, or the back of the turtle like the, like the Canadian First Nations people. In fact, many, many stories of creation have the first humans coming out of the earth and into the light, drawn forth by a creator who most oftentimes gives them a command to take care of the earth and to nourish it as they would each other. Do these stories sound familiar? If the answer to that question is yes, then thankfully you've been paying attention to Pastor Clay's sermons and your Sunday school teachers. These creation stories, or myths as they are called, closely resemble the creation myth we read about in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. That's right, I said myth. Moses was the supposed author of Genesis, among other books of the Torah. And prior to Moses, it was handed down from elder to child for many, many, many generations, word by word, image by image, family to family, until Moses finally wrote it down. If you want to look at it literally, approximately 480 years take place between Adam and Moses. Now, I know there are educators and scientists and historians in the room, so trust me, we're not going with the literalist viewpoint here because thanks to tree ring counting, archaeology, and carbon-14 dating, we know the Earth is much, much, much older than a literalist view of Scripture will allow for. But I digress. Okay, back to the point. Many creation stories, including our own, share a remarkably similar storyline. One, God creates the world. Two, humans emerge from the earth. That's what Adam means, Adama, of the dirt. And third, 
God gives a commandment. God likes giving commandments. In the Hopi tradition, the story says to learn the earth with your feet and to become one with the new world. In Genesis, it's almost the same. Go forth and multiply and have dominion over all creation. Dominion over all creation. Notice the interesting word choice here. Not rule, not subjugate, not rape or tarnish, but dominion. According to noted theologian Walter Brueggemann, the dominion here mandated refers to the animals. The dominion, the dominance, is that of a shepherd who cares for, tends, and feeds the animals. Or, if translated to the political arena, the image is that of a shepherd king. From Ezekiel 34, the task of dominance does not have to do with exploitation and abuse. It has to do with securing the well-being of every other creature and bringing that promise of each to full fruition. Essentially, we're called to be stewards of creation of which we are part. Scripture is full of stories of individuals or stewards who were charged with a task, shirked their duties, and then had to deal with the consequences. Moses killed an abusive taskmaster. Jonah got dealt a storm and a whale. Lot's life, Lot's wife, sorry, turned to a pillar of salt. Saul lost his crown and anointing. Samson lost his strength and Moses eventually lost his chance to go into the promised land. So what does it look like to be a good steward of creation? Thankfully, scripture has given us loads of examples of good stewardship and what it means to be in relationship with creation. And it begins with how we are created. We are created from creation itself. To quote Barbara Brown Taylor, we're mud babies. We are born of dirt, and to dirt we will return. Brueggemann, again, helps us out here. In Jesus Christ, we are offered a new discernment of who God is and of who humankind is called to be. The striking feature of Jesus is that he did not look after his own interests, but always after the interests of others. That is the echo of God's act of creation. Creation is God's decision not to look after God's self, but to focus God's energies and purposes on the creation. In essence, all of creation, all of creation is then made in God's image, imago dei. That's right, creation is imago dei, just like you or I are imago dei. And I gotta tell you, God must have a really massive sense of humor because there are some really, really, really weird stuff out there, plants and animals alike. Seriously, God, what is with the platypus? And mosquitoes, hello? And birds with wings that can't fly, really? Walking stick bugs? Stink bugs? Okay, they kind of have a purpose. And my personal favorite, the narwhal. And don't even get me started on weird plants. 
But despite all of this, or because of this, we can clearly see God's imago dei. This diverse creation, this universe too big to define, these wonders of nature are made in God's image. Rainforests, tundras, deep ocean canyons and glacier-filled mountain peaks, the, planets of, the planet and desert of oceans as far as the eye can see is all God's image. What does it say about us then, as part of God's creation, when we seem to be more of a blight on God's creation than a blessing? Raping, pillaging, burning, and abusing this planet that is made in Imago Dei. Is this what a good shepherd looks like? Is this how they act? When we do this to our planet, to God's Imago Dei, are we not, in fact, giving God the middle finger? And no less importantly, as beings created in God's image, another piece of the Imago Dei, are we not then giving ourselves the middle finger by destroying this planet? As I mentioned before, there are consequences, often severe ones, for those who shirk their duties and ignore their responsibilities. Perhaps that's what we're seeing in nature when, with global warming, the increase in severity of storm seasons, longer and longer fire seasons, the ever-lengthening and deepening of the droughts and the rising tides that are occurring across the world and threatening to engulf entire cities. It's as if the body of the Imago Dei, of which we are a part, is fighting back, trying to rid itself of a pestilence, a virus, a plague. Is that what we are as mud babies? Have we allowed ourselves to become a plague upon the planet rather than a protective and loving shepherd? I hope not. But it looks more and more that way. And it makes me wonder, have we finally reached a tipping point where accountability leads to tough love? Are we there? Is there still hope for us, for our planet? The answer, I hope, I hope is yes. Again, let us turn to Barbara Brown Taylor for a bit of enlightenment. Call it ground or call it God. The life they share comes from the same place. After Eden, the ground itself is cursed on account of human error, producing thorns and thistles to go along with the red berries and purple flowers. The earthling's short tenure in Eden comes to a sad and sudden end. The earthling's first divine job is to till the earth and keep it. You get dirty doing it. You break fingernails and you wear holes in the knees of your pants, but you also remember where you came from and why. You touch the stuff your bones are made of. You handle the decomposed bodies of trees and leaves, birds, and fallen stars. Your body recognizes its kin. If you have nerve enough, you also foresee your own composition, your own decomposition. This is not bad knowledge to have.
It's the kind that puts other kinds in perspective. Feel that cool dampness. Welcome back to the earth, you earthling. Smell that dirt. Welcome home, you beloved dust creature of God. Another reason I have hope for the future is that we have loving adults who are empowering our children to learn and to become activists and shepherds in this world. As I wrote this sermon, I asked the youth of our church to think about what it means to be caretakers and stewards of creation. The following arts and testimonies are from them. This is what they have to say. I hope you're paying attention. This is what I think will happen if we keep doing what we're doing. You're seeing what I think will happen and all the chemicals that we're releasing makes our atmosphere hotter. And this is why there's all the fires that we get. And um, I showed a little thermometer to show that. And um, it could be really bad for our society, for people. Um, and um, the house is getting burnt, and the people um, don't care because some people right now just don't care. And um, I think that we need to make some changes, um, uh, for permanent changes, um, not like just um, like do it for like two years, we're done, everything's fixed, lives are perfect. We have to make sure um, every, we, it will be, we'll slowly get back to our normal lives and we will still have changes that we'll have to do. Like half of us might go vegan. <laughs> um, so maybe that could happen. And I really hope that we can change our ways. Aiden, tell me about your art. The good thing about the art that it says is save animals, eat less meat. This is a cow. Fart. Why did you draw cow farts? Because they are killing the earth. How? I don't know how. Remember we talked about methane? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a greenhouse gas. And why did you draw the truck? Because they were taking them to people who would eat the cow. Oh, and how does the truck impact our environment? When you use electronics, kill less polar bears. Electric cars kill less polar bears, that's yes, true. But gas cars send out a lot of heat that sometimes goes to where polar bears live down here. So what do you want people to do? You want people to eat less meat? Yes. What does that mean? Like, um, 
me when you really have to. Or pick a day of the week to have meatless meals? Can you give people ideas? If they, if somebody is watching this and doesn't know what meatless meals taste good, could they call you and you could tell them? Yes. Okay. Carter, tell me about your art. Um, you should recycle because when you throw things away, like plastic bags, then they go into the sea and uh, then they kill um, sea turtles because they mistake the plastic bags for jellyfish. Oh. And it says recycle. If you don't recycle, ocean life will die. So we could recycle, but what if we didn't get the bag in the first place? Is that even better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we should use less... Less plastic and less garbage. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. And... There's your art. Thank you, Carter. Xander, tell me about your art. It says, save the animals and save the planet. Stop deforestation. Why is this issue important to you? Because I love the forests and I don't want it just, and I don't want them all destroyed so I can't enjoy them just to be turned into houses and farmland that can't possibly be more interesting. Tell me about things we can do to stop deforestation. We can elect people to, who are going to, who are going to help stop it and we can research other ways to help online and we can also um, protect our forests right you talked a little bit about trees being cut down to make room for houses or for farmland so I think it's important that anyone who's buying a house or anyone who's buying stuff that comes from farms, which is everyone, needs to research what kind of place those came from and if they're contributing to global to deforestation when they do that. I've noticed in the very middle of your picture, I'm gonna zoom in. Don't move, let me move. Sorry. There's this little seedling. What is this about? You may notice that in the that in its trunk it says hope because there is still it's not just dry and barren and no hope of we us of ever stopping deforestation but there is hope that we can save our forests and have more wildlife, have homes instead of losing them. And as if more people help with this, that seedling will grow and grow until it's a big strong tree and its seeds of hope will spread and turn into other seedlings, which will grow into other trees. 
That's until right. there's an entire forest. And those trees will suck up carbon dioxide and spit out oxygen and give homes to the woodpeckers and the squirrels and the deer and the xanders. Thank you for sharing your art with me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.